Good morning. One of the things that I've loved about this time of lockdown, and I'm sorry, I know it's been really hard for so many, but one of the things I've appreciated is that I've actually had more time in my garden. I love gardening, and there's so rarely uh, good chunks of time to be able to actually spend out there. I have got lots of gum trees in my back garden and two very energetic dogs that chase each other around there. So I've known for quite a while that I'm never going to get that perfect English lawn that I would love to have in my garden. So we have a plan of what we're going to do, and it's going to involve a lot of time and a lot of effort. So that's been one of the lovely things that I've actually had time to do that. My sister lives back home in England, and she has a beautiful garden. It's stunning. And so every now and again, I'll ask her a question um, for a bit of advice, and she just will never give me advice because she says she doesn't know Australian uh, plants, she doesn't know Australian gardens and the conditions. But she says, but the one thing you have to remember is right plant, right place. That's all she'll um, ever give me advice about. Choose the right plant and put it in the right place. So if the plant says it needs full sun put it in a place where it'll have full sun. If it needs to not be planted where there's heavy clay soils, don't plant it in my garden. That we put a plant uh, where it can thrive, and then it will thrive, hopefully. We've got um, a neighbor has an oak tree, and so we often get little oak tree saplings. And I decided that I might leave a few and maybe grow an oak tree, but they're not actually sitting where I want them to be. I don't want shade in that part of the garden. So I decided that I would dig one up. I'm glad I did it uh, yesterday because I assumed it would take maybe uh, three goes with a fork and up it would come. Um, I've got a picture of one of my saplings here. That you can see. So it's, it's really not very big. So I thought it would be easy to pull out. So I went out there and I discovered it was not so easy. In the next picture, you can actually see um, the hole that I dug. Let me show you that. You can actually see the hole that I dug. It was nearly um, as long as my whole arm to the tips of my fingers. I've actually bought it in here to show you this morning. This is the um, little sapling. That was above the ground, and all this was below. It took me well over an hour into heavy clay before I finally snapped the root off, sadly snapped the bottom of the root off. But I'm planning to plant this somewhere else in my garden. And so I listened to my sister's advice, which says, right plant right place. And so I turned to Gardening Australia because they know about Australian gardening. And they tell me that if I'm going to plant this plant, this is what it needs. This is what the oak tree needs. They do best in full sun, but young oaks will tolerate a shady position. Oaks prefer deep, humus-rich soil that remains moist. So I know that I'm going to plant this where it's going to get lots of sun and I need to work on the soil a bit. I certainly need to work on um, get digging a deep hole to plant it in a place where it, where it will thrive. I'm really loving the imagery um, that we're using for this uh, topic at the moment, this image of a tree. Thank you once again, Les, for this. I love that it's describing us like a tree because I believe that what my sister says is true for us too. Right plant, right place. I believe that it's true where we put our roots down in life. The places that we get our security from, the places that then define us. I wonder where you put your roots down in life. What is it that gives you security? 
Maybe you choose to um, plant them in a place that's about who you are, your talents, your abilities, uh, your looks, your intellect, things like that. I wonder whether you choose to plant them in a place that's actually about what you have, your finances, your house, things like that. Maybe you choose to plant them in a place that's to do with your success, your work uh, reputation, how well you do at school, things like that. Or maybe it's in relationships that you have and you decide actually it's to do with me being a mum. It's to do with me being a great son. It's to do with me being a really good friend to other people. That's what defines me. Or maybe like Ash, as we've just heard in the interview, she actually decides to uh, plant her roots and let them grow deep into God, into his love his goodness, his strength, his energy, his power. And we see this in the image that we're using. I say that I think this is the very best place to plant our roots, the best place to find our security um, and to be defined. Because when we do this, then we can enjoy all these other things. We can enjoy our work. We can enjoy our family and relationships, but they don't define us. This is what defines us. And if we choose to do this, it is actually an act of worship. I'm just going to put this here. It was hard finding a tub deep enough to hold it. (laughs) There we are. There is a really beautiful prayer in the Bible where they're praying uh, for the people to have this, to have deep roots down um, into God. So let's see what that says. I ask Father God to strengthen you by his Spirit, Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask them that with both feet planted firmly on love, you will be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. I've been thinking a little bit about why is this actually a good, why is this actually a good topic to be thinking about? And also why particularly is it a really good topic to be thinking about during lockdown and during this whole coronavirus crisis around the world? And I think on one level, it's a good topic to think about because there are possibly more times where we notice that we're reacting in ways that aren't patient or kind or generous or joyful. And that in those moments, if we choose to be rooted down into God, that we can actually call on him and ask him to give us the strength, give us the patience that we can draw on who he is to help us react like that. But I also think at this time, for many people, just like we heard from the Berrymans as well, there is a bit of uprooting happening in many people's lives. Maybe people have relied on their health and they're finding that actually even that necessarily isn't safe. On their finances, on on other things that make them who they are. It is a time more than ever, I believe, when we need to actually choose, I'm going to put my roots down into who God is, into his goodness and into his love. And we find that he offers us a friendship, a friendship that is constant and remains steady no matter what we face. 
Maybe you're listening in this morning and you've never chosen to follow Jesus. Maybe you did a long time ago, uh, but you've let that slip as time's gone on. Can I encourage you this morning? Now is the time to be transplanted. To let God help you to take yourself out of the things that you found your definition in, that you found your security in, and begin to grow your roots down into God. It is a very good place. And then as we've been um, learning, you'll find that it's a place of change too. That as we draw on God, that he actually brings change to our lives as well. About 13 years ago, God chose to very clearly show me what was inside of me. Something that wasn't good, wasn't nice, but it was absolutely right. About a year before this, he had um, woken me up a little bit. I'd been living as a distracted, fairly apathetic follower of Jesus. And basically, um, he shook um, me up a little bit and showed me that actually my roots were not buried in him at all, that actually what um, I was defined in and found security in was being a mother and being good at the things that I did. And this moment changed my life. It changed my life. I decided to, spot, to start spending time with God regularly. I decided to introduce habits into my life so that I would remember God through the day. I decided to seek him more. I decided to find friends where I could actually really talk about these things with them. I chose to transplant my life into him again. And then about a year after that, God must have thought, right, she's ready now. She's ready for a little bit of work to happen on her insides. And he showed me very clearly that I had pride in me. He showed me that my judgmental thoughts came from pride, that my desire for praise came from pride, that my envy if other people did well or received lots of praise came from pride. And then he showed me too, you're getting a good old look into the heart of Ali. He showed me too that actually a key motivation in my life was to be the best and to receive acclaim for it. I needed very clearly to learn humility. I've um, recently read this book by John Dixon. He's a historian, and it's all about humility. It's called Humilitas, and he explores the origins of humility, and um, he explores what it is. And I really like the way that he defines it. He's mainly talking about um, humility in, in leadership and in organizations, but I really find his, hum, um, his definition of humility helpful. And this is what he says. Humility is the noble choice to forego your status, deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. I'll read it again. Humility is the noble choice to forego your status, deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. He mainly focuses on our actions, where God made it very clear to me that it was actually from my heart that he needed to make changes so that I could then um, cut off things that needed cutting off or develop things that needed to be developed. But humility, having that willingness and that strength to actually in the right moments and at the right times to choose hiddenness or weakness or silence so that we can elevate 
others, to choose to encourage and motivate others, even if that's at a cost sometimes to ourselves. When God wants to make a change in our lives, it's always to make us more like Jesus. And there's a passage in the Bible in a letter to written to a um, town called Philippi, and it's made very clear to us that this is what God wants for us. He says very clearly, be humble, don't put yourselves before others, love other people, be humble, think of yourselves as Jesus thought of himself. And then it explains how Jesus thought of himself. He says this, he had equal status with God. But he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what, not at all. Jesus humbled himself. It was through him that we are created. And yet he became a human, a poor Jewish man in an occupied nation. He humbled himself regularly as he loved people, encouraged people, healed people, um, performed miracles, told them to be quiet about who he was. He regularly continued to humble himself. And then ultimately, he humbled himself by stepping forwards into a death that was scorned on more than any others, that was agonizing, but stepping into that death on a Roman cross so that we could live fully human lives, so that we could live in relationship with him. If we choose to live our lives with our roots deeply into God, this will mean a life of humility, that we cultivate a life after Jesus that's a life of humility. And for some of us, this will require extra effort Uh, than for other people. Other people don't need to give this very much effort at all. But for some of us, it will mean that we need to do pruning. It will mean that we need to take in more of God's power in us. I know for myself, I had to learn to be aware of my thoughts. And if a proud thought came to my mind to take hold of it, I would imagine myself laying it down at the feet of Jesus to become aware of maybe where we might have more judgmental thoughts and to choose kind thoughts to come faster and quicker than the proud thoughts. I asked a couple of close friends to keep me accountable, to ask me how I was going with my pride. I had to choose to shut my mouth if I felt something that was boastful come to mind. There were many actions that I was able to take, actively not seeking praise, and to pray, God, you have to help me. You have to give me the power. I need your transforming love in me, choosing to work to encourage others and love them in ways that was best for them rather than best for myself. And slowly, as this happens, as we draw on the goodness and the power of God, Our hearts change and will continue to need to be changed as the years and years go by, still being aware of thoughts that come to mind, that we are slowly changed. I'd like to tell you about a man whose books I read uh, many years ago and really loved them, would love to read them again. But more recently, I've come to admire him for who he is, for who he's become in life. His name's Jack Deere. This is a picture of him. He's in his 70s now, but I'd like to tell you a little bit about him. 
He had a really rough upbringing. His early years in life were okay, but as his uh, parents sort of stayed together but actually drifted apart, he suffered as a result of that because his mother took out um, her tension on him. He talks of regular beatings. She would call them spankings, but he said they were not spankings. They were vicious beatings. She developed addictions in their home that he suffered as a result of. And his father became more and more distant. And when he was 12, um, when Jack was 12, his father took his own life. Jack became a very rebellious teenager, he talks about. And then when he was 17, he decided um, to be a follower of Jesus. He heard about Jesus and the truth of who he is and decided to be a follower. He had a great mentor uh, that took him under his wing and just um, lived life alongside him and taught him how to follow Jesus and taught him a love of God's Bible. And Jack was a really intelligent, still is a very intelligent man, and he loved to study. So he went to university and studied all about Jesus and God's word. He loved getting into ancient languages, Hebrew, um, Greek, and to explore that as well. And so he then went to Dallas Seminary, Dallas Seminary, which is um, a top university there, and he studied more um, about the Bible. And as years went by, he was so highly respected, he became a lecturer there, a professor there. And he loved to think, and he loved to be right, um, and he loved the reputation that he had. And then in the 1980s, uh, part of his thinking completely changed about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He came to believe that they're still active, as we think that too. And so he couldn't stay at the seminary, I won't say that again, because, um, because they didn't believe that. And so he went from being a, quite a conservative follower of Jesus, he went to being a charismatic leader where he was on the speaking circuit, where he was a, became a pastor of a church, where, which is a good thing, uh, where he um, wrote books and things like that. Jack, now in his 70s, looks back on that time, and he recognizes that actually his roots were planted very firmly in himself in his reputation with God, in the his, his reputation with the encounters with God that he could tell other people about, how intelligent he was, how he could win arguments at that time. He talks about how at that time he was really after building his own ministry. He describes it as building his empire. And then in the year 2000, tragedy struck and his middle son took his life after 10 years of struggling with addictions. And Jack's world completely fell apart. He writes in a blog, I thought I'd actually use his words, to looking back, 12 years later, he looked back. And I'm going to read you these words. Jack says, I was trying to save my life from this abyss of insanity. His death was all that I could think of. Then the bill for the funeral arrived. It was $10,064.69, and they wanted payment immediately. That same day, a sack full of mail arrived, sympathy cards, 38 cards, and those 38 cards had 22 checks in them, one check for each year of Scott's life. I opened the cards and added up the checks. They totaled $10,064. The voice, God, said, 
I paid for his death. I paid for his life. And I will pay for everything you need for the rest of your life. That's what my father's love feels like. Most of my life, I tried to be significant. Now I was feeling significant apart from my performance. Maybe all Jesus ever wanted was a friend. I wish I could say that the sun started shining in my life again. God did not remove the pain. The death of my son was the darkest, hardest 10 years of my life. We retreated from the world. We lived in a cave. My son's death was the door to that cave. And we crept in further and further, trying to escape the pain, the insanity of it all. The death of my son was also the door to a deeper walk with God. Two years ago, I found Jesus in the cave. He was just sitting there. But I knew that I was not alone in my pain, and joy came back into my life. Jack, at that moment of great tragedy, lost everything that gave him significance in life. He upped his family and moved away. He was no longer the pastor of that church. He wasn't sure what he even thought about God that had allowed this to happen. And he spent 10 years, as he describes, in this place that was dark. Um, he didn't know what to do. In this time, he um, explains, actually, his wife, uh, to numb her pain, turned to alcohol and developed an alcohol addiction. And even after rehab, time after time, nothing seemed to happen. Until one day, she suddenly decided that she would just give up alcohol. But sadly, shortly after that, she then had two strokes. Jack writes a blog then two years after his last one. And in that blog, he reflects because his wife has had the strokes now as well. And he speaks of the regret that he feels that in those early years of busyness, how he didn't love his wife as he maybe should have done. And he sums it up with these words. It did not help that for the majority of my life, I've had my story wrong. I thought it was the story of a young man rising in God's world. Now I know it's the story of a boy full of himself, rising and falling his way to God and to his real home. And if the grace of God grows in me at all, it grows in the falling and not in the rising. Jack had heard Jesus call him, and use these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I've listened to quite a few interviews that Jack Deere has given recently, especially um, as he talks about a memoir that he's written, which I hear is pretty raw. Um, and it's called Even in Our Darkness, A Story of Beauty in a Broken Life. And I've listened to his talks as well. And he strikes me as a humble man now. He speaks with great honesty about who he is and what he's experienced. He speaks with great honesty uh, what his motives are for giving the interviews and writing the book. He speaks so highly of other people. He spends most of his time now caring for his wife. And what he does most passionately 
of all is encourage people to have friendship with God. The vital necessity and the simplicity of friendship with God. Well, this afternoon, I am going to go into the garden if it's not raining. I'm going to dig a very deep hole (laughs) and I'm going to plant my oak tree. And maybe when I do that, probably I'll talk to God a little bit as I do that. I might pray for some people. I might even pray for you. I don't know. But then later on in the day, I am going to choose to put some time aside with God. And maybe in that time, God will show me things that I need to change. Maybe he'll remind me of truths that I know. Maybe it'll be a time of rest. I know I will be distracted many times and I will just bring my thinking back to God. Maybe you want to join me in this too, that through the hiddenness, um, that through the busyness um, of your afternoon, that you will choose to chat to God. Maybe you want to take a bit of time at some point today to actually spend time with God. You might read the Bible, you might pray, you might actually, I'd really encourage you to take time as well to let him speak to you. Take some deep breaths and just say, God, is there anything you want to say to me? If for you, you haven't done this for a long time, or maybe never, you might want to start with the book in the Bible, maybe Luke, where it tells you stories of Jesus. But as we do this, we will be cultivating a life after Jesus. I'm going to pray. You're most welcome to join with me as I do that. God, I thank you that you want to have relationship with us. You want us to find our security and be defined by knowing you. And I thank you that you help us and invite us to know you more. God, help us to grow good roots down into you and show us ways, if there are ways and it's the right time for us to change, we ask you to show us those things and then give us the strength, the power to make those changes. But God, we thank you that it's about friendship with you. Amen. Mm -hmm.